Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops the Pac-12 Podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me, only with me, is Greg. Hey. Uh, no Avery. She's traveling. She's uh, doing her final move from Utah to Washington. She's on the road now, I think. She's pretty close to home, but didn't want to do a podcast, which I completely understand after like 10 hours of driving. Uh, and no Matthew Bertson. Uh He was wrangling his kids, I'm pretty sure. So poor little guy has to... Well, he's not he's not little. He's like six two or something. He's actually very tall. Didn't he used to play baseball in high school? Do you remember something yeah, about uh, this? I uh, I think so, but it's I don't yeah, know, it's height uh it's height a thing baseball players need to have. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you would. <laughs> like what do you have to do that requires height? Like the ball goes has to go in a I box. I think pitchers are usually pretty tall, but Are they? Yeah. I guess that I wonder, extra gonna... length helps them get a little bit more force on the ball. I'm not sure. Uh, the average height, the median height of an MLB pitcher is uh, is six foot three. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's shocking. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I I think I think Matt might be Matt's pretty close to that. He's pretty tall. He's a tall guy. Anyway, I don't know what we're talking about, Matt. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod and feel free to email us at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball episode recapping the week Impact 12 Hoops, talking about who's up, who's down, and everything in between. Usually, well, usually we did it once, uh, a little bit of daddy discourse, but Matt's not here, so we'll save that for him next time. Um, we're doing some. Pac-12 basketball after dark. We're recording this super late, so we're just going to move right through here because I'm sure we're all exhausted. Uh, Normally, what we would normally do, we start with peak of the pack and do some down bad, but we have a monumental game to talk about first. Maybe the most anticipated Pac-12 basketball game of the season to date and maybe will be until they play again in a couple weeks, honestly. (laughs) I think it's a week, actually. Uh, Number three, Arizona traveling to Westwood to play number nine, UCLA. We have been thinking about this game and these two teams for a very long time. It's finally going to happen. It was scheduled to happen December 30th. Uh, UCLA wasn't able to go due to COVID. Um, And so the Pac-12 pushed it to to January 25th, Tuesday. That's today. If you're listening to this as when it comes out, that'll be tomorrow for us as we record this tonight <laughs> on January 24th. Um, so here we are finally getting our first, I mean, kind of big in-conference matchup of the season between what we think maybe are the two best teams in the league. So uh, Greg, start us off here. Like, give me one thing that you're very excited about for this game. Uh, I will like you've tweeted about it. I want to see what Arizona's offense looks like against UCLA because these two teams have very, very different ways they want to play a game. You know, Arizona, they're one of the fastest teams in the country. They're the highest scoring team in the country. They love to get out and run, whereas UCLA wants to drag you down into the muck and then just like beat you down over the course of the game where 
you know, by the end, their depth will show and they'll win. And I'm very curious to see which style wins out. Like, will Arizona force UCLA to go fast or will UCLA force Arizona to go slow? I kind of think UCLA is going to drag Arizona into the mud and I want to see how Arizona copes with that because I do think uh, I do think Arizona can still win even if the game slows down. I don't think they absolutely need transition transition buckets uh, to win games. But uh, at the same time, I think, I don't know, I think UCLA is more capable of controlling the pace. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing for me, and we've been talking about this for a long time. I, styles make fights, and my favorite college basketball college football games or when you have like two teams with like opposite styles and opposite philosophies Uh, i think i tweeted about this a few weeks ago when when utah was giving arizona a little bit of trouble in that first half um and ultimately arizona pulled away when that first half when utah was really miking things up it felt like it was a ferrari being uh pulled back by a chain from a 1984 nissan pickup truck (laughs) or some (laughs) shit like that um and i think ucla is going to try to do the same thing um and and they may and they have the depth and the talent to do it longer than Mm -hmm. utah did um arizona you're right arizona arizona is going to want to go blazing fast they're top three in the country um in tempo ucla 11th in the pack 12 11 of 12 in (laughs) tempo completely opposite teams um ucla has tried to run uh this year i think because they figured you know they have the experience they have the talent they Mm -hmm. have guys who can maybe do that um but I think UCLA has played its best when it slows it down and plays that grueling long offense and forces Arizona to defend deep into the shot clock and um, and forces other teams to you know have to uh, play their offense very slow and not get into their action until like the ten second mark of of the shot clock. It's gonna be super interesting. Um, so I, you know, one other thing that I'm kind of thinking about for this game: turnovers. Uh, Arizona loves to force turnovers. That's one of the ways that they get out on transition, but they're not as good at it as UCLA is on defense. And UCLA actually has the number one turnover ratio in the Pac-12. Um, at uh, 14.8% of their possessions, they're turning it over, lowest in the league. Arizona, very close to the bottom, number ninth. That went up a little bit after their past couple of games at what they were hovering around 10 or 11, but they're ninth in the Pac-12. Um, in turnover ratio they they turn the ball over a lot and i think that's because they play so fast uh, because they're trying to push the ball in transition so and that's maybe not something that they're used to it's still part of the growing in their program identity but it's gonna be interesting to see these two teams how they handle the ball it goes without saying it's exciting but like this is the most excited i've been for a college basketball game outside of march since i can remember just like everything about it is extremely compelling UCLA's got fans back for the game, uh, which is going to make a difference. Like, uh, fans in poly versus an empty poly totally changes how exciting that game is. Like, it's still exciting, but with the added element of an incredible atmosphere, it's just going to be great. And then, as we've talked about already, the totally competing styles is going to be interesting. And there are just a lot of really good players in the game. Yeah. Like, Juzang. Like I don't know if y'all talked about it that much last week, but uh, he is he's been improving. Like he had a slow start to the season, but uh, offensively, I feel like he's been much better, and I feel like he's shown a, a he's shown a little bit more defensively. Like he's not uh, 
he's not a lockdown guy. He never will be. But I'm when I'm watching him, I'm not cringing quite as often as I was before. <laughs> and he had that play against Oregon uh, that basically saved UCLA in uh, regulation. Uh, I can't remember who who from Oregon had the ball, but Juzang forces the steal. UCLA gets the ball back, and it ends up uh, saving them so they can tie it up and head to overtime. But uh, it's things like that. Just both of these teams, I feel like, are really clicking right now, even though they've both lost fairly recently. I guess Arizona's loss was a while ago, but yeah, they're both really, really good, and this is going to be a really, really good game, I think. I don't think either team is going to pull away, and uh, the end could be really fun with... Uh, Matherin or and Juzang going head to head, or Tiger Campbell and Kirk Creesa, or Christian Coloco and Cody Riley, like so many fun matchups. Yeah, yeah, I I think it it's going to be fun. To your point about Johnny Juzang, I just kind of went and looked this up. Has had an insane January, particularly the past four games. Over the past four games, twenty four and a half points off fifty seven percent shooting, forty seven percent from three. Six rebounds, two assists, a steal, um, and only 1.3 turnovers per game. That's imp- that's the best. This is the best stretch of offensive ball I think we've seen from Johnny Juzang. And it's the best defensive stretch also. I think he's uh, he's been much maligned in the UCLA. If you're not familiar with, you know, you may have heard of Johnny Juzang as a name. But if you're not familiar with <laughs> what he's been doing outside of March... He has not always been a good defender, and I think he's. I think his effort and focus has been much better over the past couple of weeks. To your point, not a lockdown defender, not a guy that you're going to go and stick on Ben Matherin to try to stop uh, Arizona's shooting guard, who uh, has had some really insane, set, insane stretches this season, very similar to what Johnny Juzang is doing now. Um, I will say about Ben Matherin, yep, kind of kind of a quiet couple of weeks for mm-hmm. him in contrast. Yeah. Um, he's only been averaging... Uh, twelve. Uh, twelve point eight points per game off, um, a, a an okay forty three percent shooting, but not not where he has been mm-hmm. earlier in the like season. Like on the season, he's still at forty nine percent. He was above fifty. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I mean, the good thing about if you're an Arizona fan, you have a ton of they have a ton of talent. Uh, and they have playmakers and guys who can shoot. Um, given. So the one thing that people should know about this game is that Azulis Tubelas, questionable, I think, oh, for the game. I did yes, not know he got that. Hurt. He got hurt, I think, against Stanford. Um, missed the game. The game they just played. They just played. I should have. I should always have <laughs> these schedules up. Uh, the team that they just played, and I'll look it up right now as we're as we're sort of talking. Cal. Yeah. Um, he didn't play against Cal. So um, Azulis Tubelas sat against Cal. So who knows what kind of condition he will be in, but assuming let's assume that he plays and he gets some time and maybe he's not 100% between Johnny Juzang, between Tiger Campbell, between Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, Kirk Creesa, if you want to throw him in there, who do you think is going to, by the time the game, not, not what you, not what they've looked like up until this point, but by the time the game is over and the clock hits zero, who do you think is we're going to look at and say, oh, yeah, that was the best player on the floor that night. Well, especially if Azulis Tabellis doesn't play, I feel like it's right for it to be Christian Coloco, just because when he's at his best, it is just dominance on both ends of the court. Like, 
dominating in the post and defensively he's just an elite rim protector when he's when he's on uh and without Tobelis he's going to need to be that if they don't have uh him if if Tobelis doesn't play i i, I think UCLA is going to win probably just wear wear Arizona down by the end because of uh the Arizona's depth is not great whereas UCLA yeah. is elite and i just, I, right. I don't know if Arizona will be able to hang with them just the whole game uh without Tubelis playing because with Tubelis they they've got one of the best starting lineups in college basketball without him it's still great but that's more minutes you have to give to bench guys and Tubelis of course is an incredible player Without him, I'll go with Christian Coloco for Arizona, and then for uh, for UCLA, um, let's go with Tiger Campbell. I could see this being a game where Tiger Campbell and Kirk Creasa, like Tiger Campbell, hits some big shots, and Kirk Creasa tries to match him, but uh, ends up taking some of those wild, like "What are you doing?" shots. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's completely fair. Christian Coloco. I think he is more likely to have a big game against UCLA than um, Van Matherin. Although, you I think, know the thing. Uh, just Cody Riley's a lot smaller than yeah. Coloco is, which is why I would, that's why I went with him. Because you know how much I love Matherin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's hard for me because I think that when I've seen UCLA play teams that where their best players are really their bigs, UCLA has been good. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different when Azulis Tabellis can kind of stretch the floor a little bit. Um, and it's a little bit different when they're running fast. Um, we have not, I've not, I don't think we've seen with the exception of Gonzaga and that game was a kind of a dud for UCLA. I don't think we've seen UCLA have to play anyone that plays very fast and, and what they look like when they have to stop them in transition. Um, the Gonzaga game, if that's going to be your uh, template, they probably, Maybe they they get blown out the same way, although I kind of don't think so. Conference games are different, and that team allegedly, who knows, was sick. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's how much of that is true. Mm-hmm. That was out there. So um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I it's I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Johnny Juzang might be the best player by the time this is done, just because he is on this hot streak. He's hitting that stride right now where he's. He's doing what we saw him do in March where he was hitting tough shots, um, contested tough shots, and he was the offense. He was the offense against Utah. Um, He scored 28 of their, what did they score, like 60 points? That's 62, Um, I think. Yeah, so he scored almost half of their points, was almost, was over half of their Mm -hmm. total um, production. So... I, it might be Johnny Juzang. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if Johnny Juzang, is, Johnny Juzang is the best player on the floor and UCLA loses and Arizona picks up a win. Entirely possible. Uh-huh. Um, I think this game also might come down to Pella Larson. He might be play a pretty big role if, yeah, if the if depth issue is going to be a thing. If he's good, that would be huge for Arizona. But uh, if he plays the way he has at times this year <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's, UCLA. Been, he's been up down he's been up and down um but, um but you know i think he's been a surprise lately i'm pretty sure he's been good has lately. he been better i uh i have to look i'm gonna go ahead yeah. and look up his stats but uh did you have anything else what, what well, else i was just gonna say on johnny juicing uh his style like he fits so well i think uh just in the way mick cronin likes to play like obviously the defense is an issue, but his offensive game just works so well for a team that wants to slow it down because his game is 
give me the ball, get out of my way. Yeah. And I'm going to get a shot and I'm going to score. And I just like his game is so good for when like it when all when it all slows down and you just need you need someone to get shots. There's nobody better maybe in the country. Yeah. And and really that's what you need is you need if you're going to play slow <laughs> and if you're going to play force them to defend deep into the shot clock. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to need a guy who's going to be able to get the ball with 5 seconds on the clock and and you know, chuck it and make it reliably. Um and they have that with Johnny Juzang. I think they might <laughs> just uh let's talk about the two I think let's let's talk about the two biggest X factors. Really, I think these two players are like the epitome of x factor if you had to like draw pictures of what an x factor player is it's these two guys and i'm talking about uh arizona's guard kirk Creesa and ucla's guard jules bernard totally with uh, you there i was gonna <laughs> say those exact two people yeah what do you th- what do you think we might see from either of them and what do you think each team needs from them arizona needs kirk Creesa to be good they need good kirk Creesa. but i i'm skeptical you know i don't know <laughs> he's had some howlers (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he's he uh he's had some moments where you're like what are you doing he's a he's a maverick for sure when he's a frustrating player it is so fun to watch and he can make a huge positive impact arizona needs him to be on i i'm skeptical tiger campbell's a smart player you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough matchup even though you know crease has got the height advantage of course because everybody does against tiger but I could totally see Tiger getting in his head. Uh, yeah. On the other side, Jules Bernard is, like you said, ultimate X factor. So much variance is possible there. I could, I could see him having a huge game just like out of nowhere, just because it would be a very Jules Bernard thing to do. And uh, in a slow game, I think he's got a little bit of the same Johnny Juzang thing, where like. Mm-hmm. He's not obviously he's obviously not as good a scorer as Juzang, but uh he can get his own shot. Uh yeah. and I think he does it pretty well at times. Better than better than most college basketball players. And so I could see him having a good game. The more we talk about it, the more I'm uh, talking myself into UCLA here. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think is more important for the for for their you know, for their teams, for them to have a good game. Is it more important for UCLA to have Jules Bernard play well, or is it more important for Arizona to have Kirk Creesa play well? I think if Kirk Creesa has a bad game against UCLA, Arizona's done. They have no chance. Hmm. If Jules Bernard has a bad game against Arizona, UCLA could totally survive that and maybe even win by double digits. Like, they don't need Jules Bernard to be good at all, I don't think. It helps them, certainly, but they have enough other pieces that they don't need that, whereas when Creesa isn't on, you know, like he's the point guard, he's the facilitator. Matherin is a fine passer, but he's not he's not at that same level, you know. And when the guy who leads your offense is chucking threes and missing, it, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty harmful. So I think Arizona needs Creesa a lot more than uh uh UCLA needs Bernard. Yeah. Gonna be very uh, <laughs> fun to watch those two, and they may they may even switch on to each other at times. You know, maybe Jules Bernard having to guard Kirk Creesa and Kirk Creesa having to guard Jules Bernard. So that'll be very fun to watch if you've been paying attention to both of these teams. They're just mavericks, you know. They're mm-hmm. just like uh, you know, if if you're, I guess if if I had to frame this for you as like an if you're an NBA fan, it's like it's what 
it's a little like what Manu Ginobili was, right? Like just the kind of player that like, why, why did he do that? And sometimes it works and you're like, <laughs> you know what? Okay. I, all right, fine. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it doesn't work. And yeah. You're like, what the fuck were you thinking, buddy? Uh, it's that's, that's how those players are. In March last year, uh, when I was watching UCLA games with my brother, uh, we'd say, uh, Jules Bernard, whatever you think is going to happen, the opposite will happen. Like he takes a dumbass <laughs> shot and you're like, what are you doing? It will go in every time. And he takes an open three. He'll hit the side of the backboard inexplicably. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... Both of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just And they go through stretches. They Chaos. really do. Kirk Carissa and Jules Bernard. Right now, Jules Bernard in a, in a rough stretch. This, <laughs> yeah, it's been. He looks like he did two years ago. It's it's bad for him right now. But like you said, <laughs> if you expect him to continue that, he may just have a big game where yeah. you're just like, whoa, this dude's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Any other any other players that you think are could have an impact on this game have a bigger impact than we're than we're thinking of? Uh, for UCLA, it. Uh... Jalen Clark and Peyton Watson, both of them, especially Jalen Clark, just because uh, if Arizona is going to, like, if you're going to give that Arizona offense trouble, stopping them at the point of attack, like, just mm-hmm. if you can really frustrate Ben Matherin with some long, really good perimeter defenders, I, I, like, I think that's how you, uh, that's how you beat Arizona. You just really, like, stay in front of them, be long, just frustrate the hell out of them and those are the two guys on ucla you point to first for that jaime hawkins is a good defender too in a in a different way like he's not the lengthy athletic guy he's just he's just always in the right place and obviously he'll have a big impact on the game but for the two more underappreciated guys i'd go with clark and watson and for yeah uh, for arizona i kind of just think they need their stars to be stars yeah it it really is Arizona really does feel top here. Dale and Terry, I think uh, an important player, piece, but uh, and I also think he could be a good NBA player. But yeah, he is uh, he's not at that level, and I just don't see him having mm. like I don't see Arizona impacting, succeeding impacting the game as much because as, of him. Yeah, yeah, as much as a Jalen Clark, really. Yeah, I mean Peyton Watson, uh, inc- I think an incredible defender just just because of his length and his defensive instincts a really good defender but uh also just like is, offensively is a liability yeah. yeah yeah it, it can be rough to watch him and sometimes when you see him do things kind of riffing and and improvising it's like oh wow he can do that and mm-hmm. then but most of the time it's a turnover it's just like the, the possessions that that Payne watson takes up offensively are not there so jalen clark i think is going to be the one that that feels like an x factor yeah. to me especially jalen terry center mm-hmm that would yeah. be very interesting to see UCLA going small against Arizona with Coloco. I, I'm so excited. <laughs> it, it, it might it might help them that that lineup of when they go small and play you know Hawkes or Watson at the five or Clark at the five and then you've got something like Clark Hawkes Jules Bernard Johnny Juzang Tiger Campbell. Um, I think that's one of their best defensive lineups. Maybe their best defensive lineup. Except for rebounding, they really do struggle through. They struggle with rebounding generally, even mm-hmm. with their two bigs, Cody Riley and Miles Johnson. Um, but uh, they 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 really struggle with when they go small. But that that team, that lineup of Jalen Clark, Johnny Juzang, uh, Jaime Hawkes, Tiger Campbell, Jules Bernard, pretty much five 
players that you could play at the two guard, really, yeah. one or two, maybe three, and, and if you're Jaime Hawkes. Um, between those, that's a that's a small lineup, but they're very athletic and, mm-hmm. and very long. Um, and they can all so, switch, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it's going to be interesting if Arizona runs and UCLA can't stop them. Maybe they have Miles Johnson or Cody Riley out there. Do they give more run to Jalen Clark or uh, Jaime Hawkins at the five? Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, it's be an interesting chess match to see how Mick Cronin adjusts and to see how Tommy Lloyd responds because they're both they're both just very strong. They have strong ideological basketball commitments that you're just like, which one of these is going to be able to dictate the tone of the game? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think wins this game? Well... I came into this expecting to say Arizona just because I like the way they play more. They're more fun to watch. Yeah. But the more we've talked, especially if Tabellis isn't going to play, I think UCLA is just going to have too much for him, too much depth, and it's going to be an ugly game that uh, UCLA probably just wins by like seven at the end. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big Johnny yeah, Juzang think... game, I'm expecting. Yeah, he's going to have to come up big for them. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, I uh, my I'm gonna say UCLA. I think the depth issues are gonna be, they're gonna they're gonna play a factor here, especially like you said, if Azulis Tubelis is not playing, that, that that's it's gonna hurt Arizona. They go eight, they go eight deep, um, and after that, there's not much there for them. Um, UCLA, they've got they've got a lineup for. Pretty much anything. Um, if you ha- if you want to go slow and big, Miles Johnson, very good inside the inside the ten feet. Uh, if you need to go quick or be small, you got you can put Jalen Clark there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to go really big, I guess you could. put I don't think they would ever put Cody Riley and Miles Johnson in at the same. They've never done it this season, but if for some reason they needed to, wouldn't be this game. Um, mm-hmm. That's an option. So they've got a lot of different weapons. Their depth is good. Arizona may have the two best players uh, on the court, but UCLA might have three through ten. Um, yeah, I mean, so I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I don't see Arizona without Tubelis being able to just hold on for an entire game. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say UCLA. Um, Ken Palm, for what it's worth, I'm not sure that Ken Palm uh, factors in injuries. I don't think they do. Um, Ken Palm has Arizona winning this game by two. So getting a a road win in Los Angeles, they give UCLA a 44% chance to win. Arizona, 56% chance to win. So we will see. It's going to be fun. Uh, that's a mu- that's the must-watch game of uh, mm-hmm. so far of the season. Yeah. They play each other in a week. In about a week, they play oh, each other that's again. that's so great. Like, they, yeah. <laughs> a week apart. Ten days. Yeah, ten days. We've, they, UCLA travels to Tucson on February Thursday, February 3rd. So, And that game will be at 5 p.m. Not an 8 p.m. game like this one. Um, that one will be... Um, that one will be on prime time, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, well, let's move on to actually talking about what has happened instead of talking about a hypothetical. Let's do our peak of the pack. And now the peak of the pack. All right, uh, Greg, who is your peak of the pack this week? Who had a good week over the past week? Well, I think four teams went undefeated, but. Uh, I'll go with USC just because they had a lot of emphatic wins, you know. Mm-hmm. Tonight they were in a battle with Arizona State in the first half and just 
rinsed him in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> with his 178-56 uh, without Bobby Hurley. But um, I think USC has just been good. No one has been, like, overly impressive this week to me. None, no spectacular wins. Not like last week where obviously the choice is Oregon. But uh, I think there's a lot of good choices. I'll just go with USC. I think uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon. Um, I think Oregon only played one game, but they beat the shit out of Washington. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was watching this game a little bit, mostly watching the score, but kind of watching out the corner of my eye. That first half... Uh, it was this game was over early. I mean, this game was over like five minutes early. <laughs> it was bad. It, it, it was it was Oregon getting a thirty point lead like midway through the first half. I think the score at one point was forty to eight with like four minutes left in the first. When I saw the score, I thought uh, I thought my ESPN app was doing that thing where like it only loads one team's score. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's a glitch but no that was the actual score it was so bad oh it was disgusting it was horrible like a lot of people on twitter were kind of clowning washington for it because because buddy that was not competitive um at the half it was 48 to 13 a 35 okay first of all <laughs> scoring 48 giving up 48 in the first half <laughs> that's very bad individually individually very bad very very bad to only yeah. score 13 <laughs> To have both of those together and to be down 35, horrible. Uh, Washington, I guess, had a better second half than, um, you know, than than their first half. Kind of hard, kind of hard to match what they did in the first half. (laughs) Hard to be worse. Uh, Yeah, Uh, and that game ended up being 84 to 56. Still very, very bad, but you know, not as bad as 40 to 8 or 48 to 13. So, um, yeah, I, I. it was so bad that I might even put Washington as one of my down bad. But, I, I, mean, uh, I Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Oregon, though, I, I, I'm i giving it to Oregon because it was emphatic, but also it was sort of like, all right, well, they beat the L.A. schools. Are they going to keep it up? Um, and are they going to be yeah, able I to totally maintain the momentum? This is a fluky weekend. They went out and took care of business yeah. against a mediocre to bad Washington team. Oregon's back, and they might, like, just embarrass some like five seed team they have to play in the tournament yeah because they're gonna be underseeded if they're playing like this the rest of the year and that could be really fun to watch they might not be underseeded they're moving up the net we'll talk a little bit about that but they're moving up the net pretty quickly um so who knows maybe we might be talking about like you know top eight seed you know, in the tournament, I, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a bracketologist, so we should pull. I'll pull up the Joe Lenardi bracketology stuff um, in a minute. But uh, anyway, Oregon, my uh, my peak of the pack. Any other peaks of the pack for you that came up? Uh, UCLA, Arizona were the other two. I think neither of them lost, so good for them. But nothing spectacular. Yeah, Arizona beating the shit out of teams as they normally do. UCLA. Got sloppy there, um, in there, but they did sweep. They, it was a road sweep. The mountain schools are always a tough place, tough environments, altitude. Um, you know, road sweeps are can be hard to come by. So, uh, and they were really hard to come by for UCLA fans in the Steve Alford era. So, I think that makes it, it's it's nice for them to get a road sweep as ugly as they were. Um, did you get to watch any of the? Um, 
either of UCLA's games? I got to watch the UCLA-Colorado game. Didn't get to watch the UCLA-Utah game. Uh, Wish I could have watched the UCLA-Utah game. Sounds like it was one of the better performances Utah's had in a good while. Yeah. But uh, UCLA-Colorado is just... uh, I kept wanting Colorado to... (laughs) Close the gap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But... Uh, you, you, they came close. You, yeah, you talked about it, though. It's just like at no point during UCLA's games against Colorado are you ever, like, you're convinced UCLA's winning the game the entire time, no matter how close it gets, you know? Yeah. It's just... Uh, Although, I, I was a little, I mean, uh, I was a little concerned as a UCLA fan, a little concerned in that second half. Colorado had a lot of momentum, and I, I don't think UCLA ever, they might not have ever relinquished a lead. They Maybe they did. I, I have to go back and look at the did. box score. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't, but um, Colorado did rally, and that um, that place was rocking. Um, the, what do they call it? They call it something super generic. The CU Event Center. I don't know. They call it, they has a nickname of some sort, but I, because I've sure. called it the CU Event Center in the past, and Colorado fans are like, oh, it's the, I don't know, scrooge mcduck pavilion or some shit like that um but you know it was a it was a it was a good effort from colorado to kind of it was a good effort from colorado to fight back um Mm -hmm. i will say the first half for ucla the best first half of basketball i've seen them play if i'm being quite honest and the second half was horrific for ucla (laughs) really good for colorado to fight um and to and to show some 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 metal um but you know, it's just Colorado's such a bad matchup for UCLA that I'm like, I it, it's hard it's hard to kind of ever pick Colorado to beat UCLA. Um, Colorado's the here's here's why Colorado's such a such a good matchup for UCLA and and is at such a disadvantage. Their best players and their best playmakers are Jabari Walker and Evan Batty, both big guys. Um, both both guys who play big. Um, and you know, it just doesn't have to. You don't. You don't force Miles Johnson and Cody Riley into situations, um, UCLA's bigs. You don't force them into situations that would deeply disadvantage them. Mm-hmm. Um, They're hard to move. Yeah. It, it, you know, when you when you have Evan Batty, who's kind of a statue, and Jabari Walker, who's more athletic than Evan Batty, but, you know, they're not they're not stepping out or, you know, sometimes they will, but it's not, it's not, they're not quite the threat from out there. So, um, just a bad matchup. Anyway, yeah, UCLA did sweep. USC also swept the Mountain Schools, like you said, and did it pretty convincingly. So they're probably pretty pissed off from that loss to Oregon, the way that they lost and uh, went and beat Colorado. It was a tough game. That was another fun one, and then uh, blew the shit out of Utah, and, and now just Arizona State from tonight that we saw. So yeah, um, yeah, Johnny Juzang, peak of the pack for me. Oh, he's yes, been, he's been he's awesome. been awesome. He's been hot. He's and been he was incredible really good in the Utah game, as you said. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Then let's uh let's talk about our teams that are down bad. So who's down bad for you? I, Sounds like Washington. Yeah, I had Washington because it's not only like they went one and one, which is fine. And Oregon's a good team, so losing to them isn't that embarrassing. However, Oregon is Washington's biggest rival, and or Washington lost terribly. Just yeah. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> and so uh for that reason they were my down bad team. However, there was another one that I uh considered that I'm that you might choose. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean I guess I, I guess I might say Colorado for getting I mean Colorado oh. or Utah. I yeah, I don't know. Those are the two teams I think that went winless. 
Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Colorado. I think they really needed to get one of these wins at home against one of the LA schools. Just, and they were again competitive, very competitive in both those games. Maybe the most competitive we've seen them against good teams all year. Um, you know, unless you count like Washington State. But uh, I think they really needed one to kind of start to make their case for the tournament. Mm-hmm. If you're, if they're not going to be able to, if they're not going to be able to beat any, if they're going to get swept by UCLA, um, USC, Oregon, and Arizona, th- there's no way. Yeah. They play Oregon. They play Oregon tomorrow. Um, so that should be interesting. We're all talking about UCLA, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon has some implications. Oh, yeah, too. Good game. If Colorado comes away with that win with a road win against Oregon, that will definitely help their case. Oregon, I think, is the least valuable of those four teams. Like that's right. Honestly, a Colorado win against Oregon might hurt the Pac-12's chances of getting. Uh, just because at this point, I think Oregon winning every game they play is the best possible thing for the conference. Although I do think they're in much safer territory than they were. I still, I still don't think they're a lock to make the tournament if they start looking like they did a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping I think I'll be rooting for Oregon to beat Colorado just as a fan of the conference but uh I'll be rooting for Cal uh not Cal Colorado against Arizona and the LA schools. Although, you know, it, it's not va- you're right, it's not as valuable as a win over UCLA Arizona if Colorado didn't go to Eugene and and beat Oregon in the Math United Arena, it would be considered a quad 1 win. That is good, uh, yeah. So, you know, the quad one wins are home games versus teams. I think they're ranked in the top 40 um, or top 50 or and away games for against teams in the top 100, something like that. I have to go back and look at the exact what the exact quadrants are and um, what the breakdowns are. But um, that would be a quad one win for sure. Just based on net rankings and where Oregon is, that'd be that'd be good. And it might actually give it might actually get <laughs> five five bids if Colorado gets a win there and they beat all the other bad teams. They haven't lost to a bad team. Again, still, we said that like three weeks ago, but you know, it was, it's been for Colorado, a loss to UCLA, a loss to USC, a beatdown of Arizona State, a bad Arizona State team, a loss to a good Arizona team, beating Washington, beating Washington State. Still not a horrible loss since that Southern Illinois game. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe they... If they get that win against Oregon, maybe pretty, pretty yeah. big deal for them. Pretty big deal for them. Um, any other down bad candidates for you? Yeah, it's Utah. I mean, <laughs> it's been a rough January. They're going to be a down bad candidate of the year. I think it, I'm, I, they're making a strong case. They're last in the <laughs> Pac-12 right now, right? Yeah, one and nine. <laughs> one and nine. They are what is that? Three, one and a half games behind Oregon State in the standings. Ugh, ew. I'm very still, competitive, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm still high on Craig Smith. Yeah, especially very now that they have a 2022 commit. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah, me he's feel their, better. He's their only one, right? He's um, the only pretty, one. But yeah, that's better than we had before. <laughs> right. That's that's one whole recruit. That's infinitely, literally, mathematically, infinitely better than what you had before. Um, yeah, close loss to UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not a very close loss to USC, but it was on the road. Close loss to a, a bad Arizona State team. Blown oh, out by brutal. Arizona. Competitive for a half. Yeah, just a rough. 
just, just you're gonna have to Rough treat season. this year as a rebuilding year. But you know, of those teams at the bottom between Utah, Oregon State, Cal, Arizona State, Washington, even Stanford, I think the future's brightest for Utah. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're the one with the with a first year head coach who's implementing a program identity, and the other teams have had long tenured coaches, so they don't have an excuse mm-hmm. like that. Like the other teams might have three of the three of the five worst coaches in the conference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is that way. It really is that way. Um, okay, so that's down bad. A uh, bunch of bunch of bad teams down there. But uh, let's go on to talk about some Pac-12 power rankings. Uh, I'm going to spit out my basketball tiers as I have them right now, and we'll talk about them. We'll also talk about the net rankings. We'll go through these pretty quickly. So, uh, in terms of my basketball tiers, tier one all by themselves right now. Again, subject to change and all based, I think, on what we've seen so far. In tier one alone, Arizona. They look like right now the lone top oh. five team in the in the league. UCLA didn't look great. They beat Arizona. That obviously will change my mind. Tier two, uh, UCLA, Oregon, and then USC. Again, Oregon beat UCLA, but UCLA did just have a, a road sweep. And, you know, I think I'm that that lo- that loss to Oregon looking better and better every moment. I think Jaime Hawk is being on a bum ankle and or missing some of that game helps, you know, helps kind of Explain. shore up that loss. Yeah. yeah. Um, and USC, they're clearly the fourth best team, although looking much better. Tier three, uh, I have Colorado, Stanford, UW, and Wazoo. I don't know what to do with, I. this is harsh of me. I kind of look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to change this right now. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Colorado, Wazoo, Stanford, Washington. I'll go ahead and put Washington in tier three. I don't, I don't think they're as bad as we saw against Oregon, but they're at the bottom of that second tier. Mm-hmm. And then the last tier have Cal, Arizona State, Oregon State, and Utah at, the, at dead last. Any reactions to how I split that up? I am surprised you didn't put UCLA and Arizona in the same tier. But outside of that, I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's just in terms of pure performance and what we've seen. You know, I, yeah, UCLA just hasn't looked as good. You know, it's like Arizona looks insane right now, and they're beating the shit out of every every bad team play they play, and that's obviously very impressive. I think, I think a function of that is their style of play. I think because they get so many possessions, they, you know, the team that is better and more talented gets more possessions, meaning the disparity is bigger. So, um, so it might be just a style of play thing. Um. So I'm going to say the net rankings here, and you could tell me if anything is surprising. I'll go with the first four first. Number one, Arizona. They're the number one team in the net now. So congratulations wow. to them. Number 16, UCLA. Number 24, USC. And all the way from number 62 is number 49, Oregon. Any reactions to those four? Every every time, UCLA and Arizona, their rankings surprise me. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. UCLA's is so low, and I'm surprised Arizona's so high. Although I do think Arizona, I don't think they're the best team in the country, but I do think they are 100% a top 10 team. So, Yeah. Um, if anyone's curious, Gonzaga came in at number two, um, and then Houston and Baylor in the top four there. So those would be your number one seeds in the NCAA tournament should things end today. I mean, those aren't guarantees, but that's what the net rankings would tell us. Okay, so then I'll go to the next three here. Uh, Wazoo at number 62, number 87, Colorado, and then number 93, Stanford. Any surprises in there? I mean, meh. Yeah, 
That's all meh after that. <laughs> um, here's here's a surprise. I want to give you the last uh, five here. Number 121, Utah. Number 129, Cal. Number 139, UW. Number 148, ASU. Number 223, Oregon State. Any uh, surprise there with Utah being yeah, that is not in the bottom four? Utah is below 500. Uh, lost to Washington. Washington's above 500, but is <laughs> below Utah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, margin. I mean, the margin of victory thing probably really dropped UW. Uh, and oh, Utah's he, been uh, competitive. It's true. Utah has been competitive in their losses and in their wins. I think, but yeah. So as it stands right now, four teams that, uh, f- three teams that are tournament locks, two bubble teams. If uh, Oregon, I think in the last, uh, I'll look this up as I, I kind think, of talk about this. Uh, in Go the ahead. last one, Lenardi had Oregon definitely in. I just don't know how in they were. They were uh, last four in All right. for Joe Lenardi. So they entered Joe Lenardi's bracket. Um, just barely. Yeah, just barely. Getting in there with Florida, Florida State, and TCU. They have Arizona finally as a number one seed good out to see. in the east. So um, that's where they have them now. Joe Lenardi also has UCLA as a three seed. Moved them down to from a two seed. Um, and they've got USC as a six seed um, in the Midwest. UCLA was a three seed in the, I think they were three seed in the West. Yeah, they were three seed in the West. So that's how Joe Lenardi sees the bracket playing out right now. Um, Yeah, absent from any Joe Lenardi talk has been Washington State. They're not in the first four out. They're not in the next four out. So they're not quite on the radar yet. But I, if they... If they can maybe string some wins together, beat maybe. one of these top four teams, yeah. maybe, maybe. So they're not, they're not completely out of it just yet. Um, Colorado needs a lot of work. They need a lot of, they need a lot of work. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're almost done here, but before we go, let's do some predictions. All right. So first up, let's go with. Uh, I've picked two games this week that we're going to go with. I'm actually going to pick a third. I can't believe I didn't put this game on there. I must have slipped my mind. The first game, uh, Colorado Oregon. That game is if you're listening to this this morning, which you probably will be, that game will be um, tonight, 7 p.m. Pacific in Eugene on the Pac-12 Networks. Colorado is is an eight-point underdog. Um, So who do you think teams with identical records are both 12 and 6. Very close in the Pac-12 standings. About two games. Actually, you know, one and a half games back of Oregon, Colorado is. Uh, do you think uh, who wins, who covers that game? Oregon minus eight. I think it'll end up being around Oregon winning by that much. I'll lean Oregon to cover also. I just don't think Colorado has it in them to beat a good team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing for me is, is Colorado going to be competitive with another good team? That would really go a long way if they were gonna beat one of the best teams in the conference this would be it um and it would be a very good win for them to go on the road uh to eugene while oregon is surging like this and get a win that would be huge um yeah and the other on the other hand if oregon really is surging and they're trying to make a name for themselves right now they may they may blast colorado and colorado's prone to get blasted um just kind of like that so yeah give me oregon i think they cover that they we might see we might we might start talking about Oregon as a, a much better team than we've been talking about them. Even even with this surge. So 
Uh, okay, second game I have up here on the docket. Stanford traveling to LA to play USC on Thursday in a rematch of Stanford's upset win over the Trojans earlier this month. Uh, no spread on this game, but uh, who do you think wins and by how much? I think uh, vengeance for USC. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Eh, I'll go with like, let's say, <laughs> 10 points for 10 points for them. Harrison Ingram's really good, but I don't think he's as good as Isaiah Mobley is. And I don't think Stanford's going to be able to pull it off twice in two games. USC's significantly better, and I think that'll show. Yeah, Stanford, uh, you know, just a just kind of a mediocre team. They're just there. Um, yeah, I think I think USC should blast Stanford. They probably will want to. Uh, USC is playing with a vengeance right now. I think they might be feeling a little disrespected, a little slighted um, after their loss to Oregon. Um, and so they've been a, on a bit of a tear. So I think that'll probably continue. I think I'd agree with you. They might, they they should beat Stanford by double digits uh, in Galen Center. So okay, next on the list, the last one I have here: Colorado and Washington State play on Sunday, January thirtieth. This one is in Pullman this time. Last time these two teams played, it was a thriller. It was very very fun. Um, do you think we get the same here, or uh, is one of these teams going to pull away? I don't know if. Colorado gets blown out by Oregon. I think Washington State will also blow out Colorado. If Colorado beats Oregon, I think they will beat Washington State too. It, it's all about momentum, you know. Like I think yeah. Oregon could make Colorado quit, but yeah, if they're if they're competitive, then I think it'll be a good game. It, yeah, it, I think nothing but vibes here. Yeah, it truly is. Um, this game's in. Pullman, so they've got to go at Oregon, and then they've got to travel to Pullman, to the Palouse, to play Washington State. Uh, it sucks that these two teams aren't better, because I think the the play from the bigs is going to be a lot of fun. Um, F.A. Abigidi, still a good player, maybe not as great as we were talking about earlier in the season. Jabari Walker, Evan Batty, always fun for Colorado. Muhammad Gay, always, you know, kind of, he's He's always there. He's very athletic. He's very talented. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is another thriller, regardless of the Colorado Oregon result. <sighs> I'm gonna go with the home team. I'll go with Washington State. I think they win by like three max. So anyway, that'll do it for us. Uh, as usual, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Podcast. As usual, we're dropping pa- uh, bas- Pack Twelve basketball episodes every Tuesday at five a.m. For Greg, I'm Carlos. Shout out to our homies Matthew Bertson and Avery. I hope we get them get a full squad back on here eventually. For now, though, thank you for listening, and remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Mm-hmm.